Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in. Friday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us. A lot to get to today, including here in this first segment. We've got IU stuff. We've got high school football a week away from Friday Night Lights and the return of high school sports here in the fall, which is exciting to think about. Already geared up for that Charlestown-Silver Creek game a week from tonight. And uh, just a lot of news to get to. I enjoyed the uh, Field of Dreams games last night. Uh, what a way to begin the game with the Griffies. We'll uh, talk about that here in a moment. It was a good baseball day locally as well. The Indiana Little League team out of Hagerstown uh, headed to the World Series. It took extra innings, uh, but I'll mention that as well because that is the team that uh, dealt Jeff GRC their first loss uh, before we arrived to broadcast those games in Newcastle a few weeks ago. So a lot of local stuff to get to. A couple great guests joining us in this hour as well. Let's take a look at the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, we've got news and notes, some of the things I mentioned that we'll cover later in the show. Dylan Wallace, the sports editor of the Seymour Tribune, will stop by. We'll catch up on IU football, IU basketball, and more. And then Calden Dedenrip of the Indianapolis Star on some recruiting stuff and a little high school sports. Crazy story out of Indianapolis, really kind of a heartbreaking story. The Beach Grove basketball coach, uh, kind of an inspirational deal. He was an assistant there for a number of seasons. The head coach passed away, uh, had, had cancer, had an illness, and uh, passed away. He took over the program and led him to a couple sectional championships and then a state championship this past season. He was arrested uh, in the middle of this week, or I should say last weekend, uh, with some drug charges. And so that's right in Kyle's area. We'll talk about that. Just kind of a, a negative, heartbreaking story around high school basketball uh, in our state. But some other things we'll cover with Kyle as we look at some of the top players in the state uh, as we get back in the school season and uh, as recruiting and visits and all of those things pick up here in the fall uh, around the college football season. We'll talk about uh, where some of Indiana's better players will be at this upcoming year. Also, uh, and that's the lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals that are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. A uh, reminder... Uh, hang on, just turn that down if you can. That's real loud. Uh, a reminder that uh, our Monday night kickoff show uh, is uh, underway. We'll be underway 7 o'clock on Monday night. We'll have all eight football-playing schools in the area uh, will join us, those head coaches and some of the top players 
and uh, we look forward to uh, hearing from them uh, in the same week that football actually begins with regular season games. So uh, that's coming up on Monday night at 7 o'clock. Josh Cook, he's the sports editor of the News and Tribune. He will join me for that. And so looking forward to uh, kicking off the high school football season. Of course, a lot of scrimmages tonight, but looking forward to uh, kicking off our broadcast season on Monday with the coaches and top players and then, of course, the start of high school football next Friday night. Let's take a look at the news and notes to begin our show for this Friday, uh, August 12th. Uh, A number of things to get to. I mentioned yesterday a great day for baseball uh, in our state. I thought just in this uh, in general yesterday, Hagerstown, right outside of Newcastle, they advanced to the Little League World Series, uh, built a 3 nothing lead. Uh, then the game, the Kentucky team from North Laurel came back and tied it. Uh, and the game went to extra innings. Hagerstown would hang on and win 4-3 in a very exciting finish. Uh, it'll be the first Indiana team to reach the Little League World Series since 2012. And, you know, Hagerstown, I mentioned earlier in the week, one of the neatest, old-fashioned, uh, really uh, just well-taken-care-of Little League facilities I've been to over the years. You can tell it's a town that really cares about their sports. But I was talking to a couple people from that area yesterday in advance of the game, and they said, you know, it's so big for the area because their high school really hasn't had a lot of uh, success or sectional championships in various sports. And so this has kind of been a big rallying point for the town. And again, Jeffersonville, uh, who was one of the favorites going into the state tournament, uh, opened up play against Hagerstown and ran into their really good pitcher. uh, who was uh, able to knock him out. But it was a back-and-forth game. It was very competitive, one nothing, and then 2-1, and then 3-2, and then 4-3. I think it was tied at 4 before Hagerstown broke it open and ended up winning 8-4 to in that game. But Jeff was right there with him for the first four innings or so of that game, and so hats off to them for competing uh, very well against the ultimate uh, Indiana State champion and Great Lakes regional champion uh, that is now headed to the Little League World Series. And speaking about baseball, what a good day it was yesterday. Uh, Kudos to Major League Baseball. These special games uh, that they have organized for a guy like me that likes baseball but doesn't sit down and watch a lot of games until the postseason, uh, they've been spectacular. The Little League game or games a few seasons ago were really neat. It involved the kids and right there in Williamsport. Uh, but the Field of Dreams game last year was something else. It was really special. And I wondered, how would they replicate that? You know, Kevin Costner was there a year ago, and they uh, opened up the game before the lineups for each team were introduced, and the players came from the cornfield uh, with kind of replaying a key parts of the movie. Uh, I thought, how, how are they going to duplicate this? Last year was so special. Well, Well, Ken Griffey Jr. emerged from the cornfield last night. Uh, Then right behind him was his father. And uh, kind of in a touching moment, they they play catch, uh, just as they do uh, in the movie. And then other uh, father-son, father-daughter combinations joined them uh, there in the outfield. So really neat. And another good game, another competitive game last year. uh, The White Sox won a very close uh, nail-biter. And last night, uh, obviously, the Cubs winning a, a good 
good game. So I thought yesterday a good day for baseball. We don't talk a lot of baseball this time of year on the show, uh, but definitely some good things yesterday. Uh, one other thing to mention, this has nothing to do with Indiana or local sports, but uh, kind of some interesting moments yesterday uh, with Kentucky uh, football and basketball coaches Stoops and Calipari. Uh, Coach Calipari making an argument for a new practice facility in an interview with former Kentucky writer with the Courier-Journal Kyle Tucker, and uh, he said uh, that it's a basketball school. And I'm going to read you the quote. He said, Alabama is a football school, so is Georgia. I mean, no disrespect to our football team. I hope they win 10 games and go to bowls. At the end of the day, that makes my job easier, and it makes the job of all of us easier. But this is a basketball school. And all this came about because Cal talking about a new practice facility that he says the program, the school, and really for recruiting that they desperately need. Uh, Not long after those comments were tweeted out by Kyle Tucker, the reporter, who's now with The Athletic, Uh, Mark Stoops, he retweets the quote on top of that, writing his own commentary saying, basketball school, question mark, I thought we competed in the SEC, question mark, hashtag, four straight postseason wins. Uh, So definitely some shots fired. Uh, I'm not sure Cal intended to fire a shot there, but he did. Uh, But shots fired back from Stoops, and it's very, very interesting to see the head football and head basketball coach publicly uh, have really any disagreement these days. That stuff happens behind the scenes. It doesn't happen at all in many cases. But to see something like this uh, out in public, I was stunned yesterday to read Cal's quote and then to see Stoops' tweet, uh, and uh, just very interesting to follow. I did see a video, I've not watched it yet, of Cal uh, in that interview where he talks about uh, and and gave those quotes to Kyle Tucker. Uh, And someone said, if you listen to it, it makes a little more sense. You get to hear some of the the background and other things that were said. But nonetheless, the quote from Tucker, Kyle Tucker yesterday, really set off a firestorm uh, with UK fans. And again, getting some real heat going back and forth between Cal and Stoops down in Lexington, and of course the UK basketball team right now is in the Bahamas. They beat, uh, I just saw portions of the game last night, they beat one of the worst teams. I'm not sure who they are, where they're from, uh, but one of the worst exhibition type teams I've ever seen in uh, one of those foreign exhibition games last night. It was like a 65-point win, maybe even more than that for Kentucky last night, but just an awful, awful team to play. You go all the way down there want to get you know reasonable competition, and I know Kentucky's going to be really good, but uh, man, it was a, a, a poor game yesterday as far as the opponent goes. Also wanted to mention Tom Izzo of the Big Ten Conference in Michigan State. Uh, really, I've given him some kudos lately because clearly as a veteran in the league, he is uh, he's still able to recruit, and he's proved that here these last two or three weeks, landing some really big names, including Xavier Booker from Indianapolis Cathedral. Uh, but he's not going anywhere anytime soon. He has agreed to a new contract uh, yesterday that will keep him on the bench as uh, the Spartans head coach for, I think it's four or five more seasons, uh, and it's actually 
got a rolling extension with it. So essentially, uh, they they've called him a Spartan for life. So this is in a, in a way uh, a lifetime contract for Tom Izzo as long as he wants to do it moving into the future. But Tom Izzo uh, inks another deal with Michigan State, and as is some of the the big dogs getting out, some of the uh, Coach K type figures from college basketball uh, stepping aside and retiring. It looks like Coach Izzo feels he has another run left in him. So he's going to continue to be a nemesis in recruiting uh, and in the Big Ten Conference for a number of seasons to come, uh, it looks like as well. Also, uh, Derek Queen, just a a little IU basketball recruiting note to pass along. Derek Queen, who really is uh, turning heads in the 2024 class, he's a big center. Uh, he has uh, told uh, Jeff Rabjohns, our friend with Pigs.com, that he's going to visit Indiana, Arizona, and Maryland at some point this fall, but doesn't know exactly when. And he's been a highly coveted 2024 guy. Indiana spent a lot of time watching him, evaluating him, letting him know he was a priority over the summer in the month of July. And it seems like it's paid off because he is going to take, it looks like, a trip at some point this fall, you would assume, for a football home weekend uh, to the IU campus. So that is good news for uh, IU recruiting. That's a look at our headlines for this Friday edition of the program. A reminder, our Monday kickoff program to begin high school football here in southern Indiana begins at 7 o'clock. We'll have all eight football playing coaches, schools in the area, their coaches and top players will be represented and uh, look forward to hearing from all of them in advance of kickoffs on Friday night. The Thornton's text line is open. That number is 502-414-1450. 502-414-1450. If you've got a question on IU basketball or football for Dylan, we'll get to those in the next segment. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back here on this Friday program. The Thornton's text line is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. And it's Summer Cash Bash at Thornton's, which means each week one lucky Refreshing Rewards member will win $10,000 all summer with a grand prize of a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. Simply open your Refreshing Rewards app and click on the Summer Cash Bash icon to enter. And that's not all. You can earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Mountain Dew 20. 20-ounce bottles, hot dogs, Bud Light 12-packs, large Doritos, and many more using your Refreshing Rewards card. Not a Refreshing Rewards member? No problem. Text REWARDS to 80313 today. That's 80313 today. All right, Dylan Wallace, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune is with me here on this Friday. Dylan, we are a week away from the official start of high school football games. Uh, you'll obviously be focusing on Seymour and your coverage area there with the Tribune. Where are you headed tonight for a scrimmage? I'll be at Seymour. Uh, Seymour welcomes Silver Creek uh, at their home stadium, so 
Uh, don't have to go too far, which is which is kind of nice. Um, but yeah, really, really gearing up, getting ready to go. Uh, next week, the opener is at Greenwood, so uh, going a little bit toward Indy that way. But I'm really excited. You know, I think I think it should be a, a fun football season. Um, you know, last year was my first taste of covering high school football in the state, um, and, and I, it was it was a lot of joy. It's, it was really fun. You know, Friday Night Lights is is awesome. I, I think I really think it's fun. It's a good atmosphere. Fans love it. People love reading about it. Um, so. I'm excited for it. Um, you know, Brownstown's the other team that I cover. You know, they're 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 hosting Jennings County tonight for a scrimmage. So uh, Hoosier Hills Conference team is going over there. So uh, you know, I'm I'm ready to go. I'm ready to watch the Hoosier Hills Conference and see who's uh, who's willing to take it. Uh, I think we talked a little bit last week. We're we're thinking it's probably New Albany could probably be the favorite going in. But um, you know, it'll be interesting to kind of see how it plays out. So uh, should be should be some good games or. At least, hopefully, there should be some good games coming up in the next couple of weeks here. I tell you what, the first couple of weeks of high school football, even longer than that, can be miserable, especially for guys like <laughs> you and I. Got they got to lug radio equipment around and uh, have to to wait and interview and get there early. And sometimes the press box has no no uh, air movement at all, let alone AC. <laughs> but uh, then you get a couple pretty good weeks where it's real comfortable and it's nice out. And then, of course, uh, toward the end, it's winter time, and I, I can put up with that because it means basketball season is here. But, uh, yeah, happy high school football season. Enjoy your scrimmage tonight and uh, ready for things to kick off down here as well. Yeah, definitely. You definitely get all the seasons coming up. I mean, it's super hot. You barely want to stand outside. Or You're right, if a press box doesn't have a lot of air flowing through it, uh, it can get pretty brutal sitting in there. You don't want your laptop to overheat or anything like that. Um, and then it gets perfect. I mean, it, just just like, you know, I'm sure, you know, middle of college football season two, it's the perfect time you want to go out and tailgate. It's nice and cool outside. Great time to be outdoors, watching football, going to games. So it's perfect. And then we get toward postseason time and it's freezing and you got your winter hat on and, you you know, if, it's it's not great to be outside. But, yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. But that doesn't mean basketball's coming up, which is great. Uh, you know, the end of football kind of runs into the start of basketball. So, you know, it, it, it it's a good thing and it, it's going to be a fun what 10 week stretch here and then you know whatever the postseason can bring you so uh, i'm definitely excited and like i said I, i'm hoping there's some exciting games and and some good teams some good records to follow because the postseason is a fun thing to, to be a part of as well all right dylan before we jump into iu stuff today uh i don't know if you're a big baseball guy or not but did you watch the field of dreams game yesterday and if so your reaction your thoughts i did watch it because i'm a chicago fan um I'm I'm not really a I didn't I'm not the biggest baseball guy so I don't really choose between Sox and Cubs but I, you know I hope they both do well if they they're both you know getting to the postseason or something like that so I was cheering for the Cubs to win they got the win but I will say I think last year's game was a little bit more exciting with the Sox and the Yankees the way I feel like you know the crowd was probably a little better and I think just the way the game ended a walk off by by Tim Anderson hitting that home run was was really cool it was really awesome but last night was really cool too I mean. The, the 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 setup that it looks like I like how they make the scorecard I like that they do the manual scoreboard in the stadium um, the 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 old school uniforms are always really cool to watch so I just think it's really aesthetically pleasing and um, you know I don't think there's a game next year because I think they're getting some construction done because they want to make that like a big complex to have like travel ball games so you know it could be a really cool opportunity for for younger kids growing up to go play you know travel tournaments travel ball stuff uh, over that complex so. Uh, Hopefully we're going to see a lot more games there in the future because it's just a really cool setup. Uh, the scenery's nice, and obviously it's 
really historical, and I'm sure a lot, a lot of the players seem excited to be a part of it. So it's always a cool watch. But I think uh, I think the game last year was a little bit more exciting than the game this past year. But uh, happy the Cubs got the win. Yeah, and pretty cool the Griffey father son duo starting things off. And last night's game, as I watched, I couldn't help to think. But a couple seasons from now, it doesn't sound like next year, but a couple seasons from now, could we be watching a MLB special game uh, in Evansville, Indiana at Balsey Field after that uh, was mentioned by the mayor down at Evansville that he's had discussions, pretty serious discussions with MLB officials coming into town twice uh, initially, hoping it was 2023, but possibly now it could be 2024, although nothing has been finalized. That would be really neat to see. And I also wonder as I watch that game last night and uh, check things out on social media as well. There were so few seats because it's obviously yeah. not not a stadium and it's really a makeshift, albeit really nice one, uh, ballpark that was built specifically for that game for the most part. Uh, I wonder what a ticket cost to one of those special games where seating is really limited uh, and you know a lot of sponsors and, and well-to-do people in baseball are going to automatically eat up a lot of the available seating. I wonder what a ticket cost for something like that last night i didn't bother looking it up but i can only imagine it's probably something ridiculous um just because it's so limited um and and you know they're they're never going to try to add seats to the to the outfield you you can't do that you know it's 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 kind of the kind of the thing to hit a home run over the fence and, and then it just disappears into a bunch of corn so um you know it's going to stay kind of like with limited seats and i'm sure it probably costs a, a lot of money, um, but yeah, I, I, I can imagine. And I heard that thing about Evansville too, as well, over at Bossy Field. I think that'd be that'd be super cool. Um, you know, I think you know there's a lot of kind of historic baseball things that have happened in Evansville. There, the Hall of Fame is 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 the Hall Baseball Hall of Fame down over that way. I think it is. Uh, um, Jasper, so, yes, Jasper. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know that that'd be a really cool thing if, if they're able to do that, pull that off in Indiana and. You know the Midwest uh, really, really hooking the MLB up with some some cool locations to have kind of these special games at. So, uh, you know that that'd be nice if they can add that. And, they, and like I said, if they continue to do the Field of Dreams thing, looks like they're going to add that, and make like a complex for for little league travel ball stuff too. So uh, I like what they're doing. I think it's cool. And you know, I, I think uh, you know, and then I think they announced you know the Cubs are going to play in in London in next year too. So so they're they're really they're really doing some new things here. So it's really cool for the MLB to be doing that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Dylan Wallace, he's the sports editor of the Seymour Tribune, is my guest. Let's get into some IU and some basketball stuff. And by doing that, let's talk about Tom Izzo at at Michigan State. Uh, I was just saying earlier in the week, uh, Tom Izzo, a real veteran of college hoops in the Big Ten Conference, uh, has still been able to win some big recruiting battles. Uh, Xavier Booker from Cathedral kind of kicked off a little two-week bonanza for him where he landed some really, really good players. Players, uh, from across the country, and now he's got basically a lifetime contract, a deal that's going to be a rolling extension, uh, basically putting him as the boss of the Spartans for as long as he wants to be and is healthy to be, and so he's going to be around to uh, be a real nemesis to Mike Woodson and the Hoosiers for years to come, it appears. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to lie. When uh, when my phone kind of buzzed and I saw the ESPN thing and it started out with Michigan State's Tom Izzo, um, before I read it all, I was like, wait, is he retiring? Just because of the way that, you know, we've had all these coaches kind of, you know, Roy Williams and Coach K and, and all these guys have kind of been stepping down lately. That was kind of my first reaction before I kind of looked at it all. I was like, wait, no, Izzo's not leaving, is he? And then I, you know, read it all and I was like, okay, good. good. He's, he's sticking around. Um, you know, Michigan State is just always one of those teams that, 
no, no matter kind of who they have, when you're when you're going through the Big Ten basketball projections, you're looking at things and you're like, well, who could be this? I mean, Michigan State. I don't. Th- I feel like they're always going to be picked to be top four near the top of the conference, even if the, maybe the roster and the talent that you think you just trust Izzo. You just trust him to get the most out of his roster. You trust him to always put together a team that can compete in March. Um, and you, you just, you just, he's just a really good coach. And yeah, man, what, what have they been doing lately uh, with getting Xavier Booker? They just got Cohen Carr. I mean, they, they got, I think the number, I think it's the number three recruiting class now for, for 2023. So uh, they're, they're, they're really loading up. Um, so, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a good, good team coming up here for the Spartans. And, uh, you know, as long as he's a coach, I don't really care who's on the team. I think you've got to have some fear of them, but you know, I, I'll be curious to kind of see how these Mike Woodson, Tom Izzo battles go in the future. Arch Miller kind of had his number, which was one of the weirdest things about the Arch Miller era was they could always beat Michigan State no matter where the game was or no matter how poor the IU season was going. But uh, <laughs> going to be curious to see how, uh, how how Woodson and Izzo match up. I think they only met once last year. It was, it was in Michigan State. Obviously, Michigan State got the best of them. But, uh, you know, those should be some fun battles from two veteran coaches. Uh, Izzo's obviously been has has the advantage in, in the college ball game, but uh, ho- hopefully, hopefully Woodson can get his number a couple times coming up because uh, those are always awesome games. Uh, people always want to watch Indiana versus Michigan State. The crowds are always going to be great on both sides. So uh, good for Izzo, and uh, you know maybe not so good for the other teams in the Big Ten because as long as he's coaching, uh, watch out for the Spartans. I tell you what, Dylan, I saw a story yesterday for, by our, my friend Mike Schumann, who joins the program Tuesdays to talk IU basketball, and, and uh, he, he had a great breakdown of, of Mike Woodson and the coaching staff's uh, challenge for the upcoming season on how they're going to break down time for all of the players. And we're t- kind of to that point of the off season where football's about to begin and people are starting to put out their previews and, and there'll be preview magazines coming out soon, which are always fun to look at. It's going to be neat this year because Indiana's going to be, I think, at the top of most all of them for what it looks like so far. But, you know, people projecting starting lineups, and that's one thing, who, who are going to be the five that, that makes sense to play, that makes sense to start all the time or the most. But, you know, there's a lot of talent and a lot of guys on this team that are either coming back back and or coming in with high expectations of themselves and of what type of minutes that they deserve. And I know there have probably been a lot of off-season conversations with coaches and Coach Woodson about this, but I do think it's going to be interesting to see once we get a few weeks, definitely a month into the season, how playing time breaks down. There are going to be some real decisions uh, that are going to have to be made by Mike Woodson, I think, right out of the gate to determine who's going to sit more, who's going to play more coming off the bench especially. Yeah, there really is, and and no matter how you look at it, I mean, you just you just don't really have kind of twelve, eleven man rotations in college basketball. You know, it's usually ten or less, and it, and it's just how it kind of shakes out. You know, there's there's guys that as the season goes on, you know, okay, these are my nine best, my ten best, and then the other guys just kind of fall the rotation a bit, and it's going to be really interesting. It's really hard to kind of pick and choose these guys right now when you look up on, up and down the roster because, like you said, I mean, you have. I mean, we all know Xavier Johnson, Trace Jackson Davis, Race Thompson, you know, probably maybe Miller Cop. I don't know. He might even, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But, you know, those three at least are, are always going to probably be playing. Um, and then you just kind of go up and down the roster. And like you said, you, ha- you have the guys who are returning, who everyone expects to take a jump. You have like a Jordan Geronimo, like a Tamar Bates, a Trey Galloway. You know, you have those kind of guys that you think, okay, you know, they're, they're a year older. They, they've, they, they know what to expect now with Woodson. 
they're developing. If they're developing correctly, you know, they're, they're going to be better and be a part of the rotation. But then you got these newcomers who, you know, probably expect good minutes, good playing time, like Jaden Hochefino and Malik Renault. And, you know, you got all those kind of guys. And, you know, how, how, how much playing time will they get as freshmen? And, you know, I, th- I think, you know, as the past couple years have taught us as, in, as, you know, people who follow Indiana basketball, like, okay, the freshmen who come to Indiana don't really play all that much. But, you know, this needs to become a program where, where that doesn't happen anymore. You know, if you get guys like Huchifino and Renault of their talent, their kind of status coming in as from high school, um, you know, they're going to they're gonna have to be able to play and produce as freshmen. And then, you know, hopefully can get back to a program that can, can, that can bring in these five stars and have them be, you know, solid Big Ten players in the conference. Um, and then you have, you know, kind of the wild cards. You've got Caleb Banks, you've got C.J. Gunn. I mean, everyone really likes those two guys. And, you know, is it something where, you know, we see early flashes of them, but then maybe they might fall out of the rotation later, maybe, or are they just that good where they're, they're going to be playing at the end of the season? You know, there's, there's a d- bunch of different variables uh, that can be considered here in terms of wh- what, who guys can, what, can fill into what kind of roles. And, uh, you know, I think it's really exciting, but, you know, as, as Mike Schumann wrote, as you pointed out, I mean, it's, it's a huge challenge for the coaching staff to try to figure this out. And I think fans are super excited because they want to see all these guys on the floor, but, you know, when it comes down to it, when you're when you're in December, when you're nearing conference play, um, the rotation is just going to be it's just going to get a little shorter, and, and that's just that's normal. It doesn't mean anyone's bad or anything like that. It's just how things go in basketball. So uh, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how that plays out. Who who steps up? Who falls out of the rotation? You know, who who can make a jump here? I mean, it's really interesting, and I, I think it's a good. I wouldn't even call it a problem, but it's it's a good thing to have that you have that it feels like you have options. Uh, obviously, we don't know how some of these guys will will produce or how they'll jump or how they'll do any of this, but I think it's a good thing to have that you know this roster does seem deep. It does seem like it has options, and uh, you know that, that can only make things better. It, it'll make practices more competitive. It'll make you know the guys will make each other better. And I think all in all, I mean, it's a good thing for the program to kind of have this issue. Um, you just hope that when things do get a little limited, you know, people can accept their roles and nothing gets, uh, you know, the, the culture doesn't get better, nothing like that. And I think Woodson's got a pretty good hand on that, pretty good hand on guys buying in, knowing, you know, this is what we need to do is to be a successful team in the Big Ten. So, um, you know, I think this co- I trust the coaching staff to, to figure it out, and I'm really excited to see, you know, what what players can do what in, in this season. You know, I think it's a really exciting team, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a good issue to have, I'll say that. And, and uh, you know, I think the coaching staff will be able to figure it out. But, uh, you know, these first couple games, non-conference and all this stuff, you know, we'll, we'll start to tell kind of, you know, where, where they think they're, they're going with the rotation. So really exciting, and I'm excited to kind of see how it plays out. I tell you, um, excited to see what happens with obviously some things with, with this team and, and out of the gate, how they get going with this big non-conference schedule. But one of the things I think I'll be watching the most – uh, in the opening games, the opening weeks of the season is Jordan Geronimo. And I really felt like at the end of last season, and of course so much can happen from the end of the season till now with the transfer portal, and, and that's the case in recruiting as well. But I really felt like Jordan Geronimo would be in the conversation as a starter. And maybe according to some he is, but everybody that we've had on this show, I don't think anybody's projected him as a starter. And every little preview, including John Rothstein that, that came out earlier this week, he doesn't have him as a starter either. Uh, so I'm really curious to see what his role is because uh, obviously he seems to be locked in at Indiana and the future is bright, but I really felt like or feel like his minutes should and role should take a big jump forward this season, uh, and I thought maybe he'd be on the bubble or around the conversation as a starter. 
It's possible. I mean, you know, we've heard a lot of things about him wanting to play the three kind of small forward type position. Um, and if that's the case, and if he has really kind of turned his game around to be a player like that, then I guess there is a possibility he could be in a starting lineup. You know, you, you'd have a really big kind of front line with, with him, Race, and Trace together. But it just doesn't seem like that is going to be the direction it probably goes. Um, but, but we'll see. And, uh, you know, I, I think before Race and Trace both announced they were coming back, you know, it, it absolutely, you absolutely thought Jordan Geronimo was going to be a starter for this team coming into this season, especially with the way he closed last year. I mean, he was huge in the Big Ten tournament. He was huge in that Wyoming game. Um, just, just absolutely massive. And, you know, Race Thompson had a little bit of a, a dip to, to, to end last year, and Geronimo stepped up and really, really made a difference for the team. He knocked down a couple threes. He was he was everywhere, getting rebounds, you know, blocking shots. So, you know, he, he was he was he was a really big part of kind of their success at the end of last season. Um, and you hope with with a, another summer under his belt, more development, that uh, you know he can continue to kind of be that kind of player for them. And you know, we'll see. I mean, he's he's talked a lot about you know I think he had an availability a little bit ago. You know, he talked about you know cleaning up his handle, wanting to be able to handle the ball more. And you know that that doesn't mean he's going to play you know point guard and run guard, but it just means you know he can be out in the perimeter, he can put the ball on the floor, maybe take a guy off the dribble to the rim, stuff like that. You know, small little things that you know he really wasn't able to do. Um, you know, so you know if he's got more of a handle, you know if his jump shot's a little better, um, then I think that that will give him an opportunity to get more minutes. Um, but, but, you know, if, if, if not, and he just comes off the bench and, and replaces, you know, racer trace at the four or five and is, you know, is part of maybe a, a little bit of a smaller ball lineup. Um, but I think he could be really effective in that role too. So, you know, I, I, I think you're right. He's a really interesting guy to kind of watch because, you know, his development and just, you know, when he committed here, everyone was like, okay, this is going to be a guy that in year three, you know, we're going to be able to see, wow, he's a really good player. Here he is coming into year three and, you know, he had a, he made a jump in year two, especially toward the end. And if he continues to make, get, you know, be on that kind of progression of a line, you know, he should be able to, to step in and do a lot of good things for this team. And, you know, I, I wouldn't expect him to start. I would be probably a little surprised because it just, it's just hard to start to kind of imagine him race and trace all in the starting lineup. But, you know, if he's really kind of turned his game around and been able to kind of be a, an effective perimeter player, Maybe he will slot in there, but uh, you know I, I wouldn't go as far as saying that will be the case right away. But you know I'm, I'm really interested to kind of see if he if he can step out on the perimeter and do those kind of things that he, he's talking about that he wants to do and he wants to be able to contribute. So yeah, he's a really interesting player to watch out for, um, and, and I think we'll we'll be able to tell early on just kind of what parts of his game have really progressed. And uh, I'm really excited to kind of see how it plays out for him. Dylan Wallace, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune. Uh, final question, and we'll get into football for this final ask here today. Do you have an opinion or a thought, a projection on the starting quarterback for Indiana? What team are you on there? I would say it's Connor Basilic. I don't know if I'm saying his last name right, to be honest, um, but I think it's something like that. I, I think it's the guy coming coming from Mizzou. Um, you know, I, I I would be a little surprised if it's not him. Um, but but you know, then again, you never know because you know here you have Jack Tuttle who has been with the program for a couple of years now. Um, you know, he was he was definitely going to, you know, start basically all of last season if, you know, you know, Penix was already down and then, you know, but before Tuttle got hurt, you know, he was going to be the guy that was going to play for them. But, you know, to, to, to kind of contrast that, you know, Walt Bell is the new offensive coordinator. He hasn't spent a year with Tuttle. He hasn't spent a year with, with Basilic. He hasn't spent a year with either of them. So, you know, he's kind of a fresh pair of eyes in here. He's just going to probably want to pick the guy who he thinks is, is playing the best right now in fall camp. So, um, you know, I haven't seen too many fall camp observations or clips yet, but, you know, my prediction's probably him, but I think just earlier this week we heard we heard some buzz about Dexter Williams. Um, you know, you know, he was he was a he was a decent quarterback when he came in and 
I think last year was his second year with the program. He tore his ACL, so that's why we didn't see him out in the field because he he, had a, he was hurt. And I'm sure if he was he was available, he probably would have played ahead of McCauley last year. But you know he was hurt, so you know I I don't think he'll get the starting job. But I think you know they they'll, they'll be a little bit more inclined to put him in if things go badly like they did last year. But I, I would I would predict Basilic, and I I think he he probably provides the most upside at that position for this team, but. We'll see how it plays out. Um, but, yeah, that's my prediction as of now. All right. Dylan Wallace, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune. He's always with us on Fridays. Dylan, good job, and uh, enjoy your scrimmage game tonight. I'll catch up with you uh, here down the line in a few weeks at a high school football game, and uh, we'll chat again next Friday. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Dylan Wallace, always with me on Fridays. We cover a lot of ground on IU basketball, football, even the local stuff sometime with Dylan when he's with us. We'll head to a commercial break, come back with Kyle Neddenrip of the Indianapolis Star to wrap up the week here on the show. And don't forget Monday night, our kickoff show for high school football. Josh Cook of the News and Tribune joins me. Uh, 7 to 9 is the approximate time. We may go a little later than 9 if needed. But we're going to have all the football playing schools in the area on, head coaches, top players, get you set for all the week one games. A week from tonight, it's high school football here in Kentuckyana. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Friday program. Kyle Nedenrip of the Indianapolis Star with us on Fridays. And, Kyle, uh, high school football is just around the corner. Lots of scrimmages tonight. And I know you'll be out and about getting an early look at teams for the upcoming season. But before we go there, let's talk about a basketball topic uh, in our state that, that's not good. Uh, Beach, Dro- Beach Grove, uh, their basketball coach, who really it, it kind of was a, a feel-good story for Mike Renfro uh, as an assistant coach there and the head coach he took over uh, when he passed away, and it was just a very emotional time. Um, led the team to two sectionals, and then this past year a state championship uh, in his third season uh, was arrested last Sunday and uh, with some pretty serious drug charges. And I, I know that it just was unbelievable to see that report come out. It even made the media down here. I can only imagine what the reaction has been in the Beach Grove and the surrounding communities. Yeah, really uh, shocking uh, the situation and you know, I had uh, got to know Mike really well or pretty well over the last few years covering his teams. And like you said, just a, it's kind of a, a made for Hollywood type of story last year when they, you know, and he'd, he'd coached under Matt English and Matt had, you know, passed away from brain cancer. He'd fought brain cancer and, and for several years and then passed away. And uh, Mike was coaching under him, assistant coach, ended up taking over the program, uh, you know, and, and, led that team to back-to-back sectionals in last year, kind of a uh, state title run that probably not many people saw coming, you know, and, and, you know, it's the scene at the, the semi-state last year, 
you know, just a few months ago in at the Hatchet House in Washington when they beat um, you know, Sullivan in overtime was just, you know, super emotional and, you know, Mike was you know, crying and, and really a lot of people on the court were, you know, all over uh, the floor that day. And that's, that's and even, even more than the state championship is as cool of a moment as that was too for Beach Grove. Um, you know, that's one I'll always remember, but yeah, so, so then for that to happen, it's, it's sort of the, the bottom drops out and, you know, I, and, you know, I feel bad for the Beach Grove, the kids and, you know, obviously Mike made a huge mistake and, you know, it's, it's a, a life changing and then it goes without saying, I guess, a life altering uh, decision there, but, you know, but I feel bad for his, his two sons as well, you know, got to know them a little bit. They're younger, you know, I think seventh and probably second grade or roughly, but, you know, that, that was my first thought too, is, is how they, you know, how they'll have to deal with all this, but, yeah, just a, it's really, you know, just a sad situation and, you know, you hope Mike can come through it and there's a, you know, another chapter in his life after this and, and, you know, but there's a long way to go, you know, obviously the hearing and everything comes up in a couple of weeks and, you know, see what happens from there or what, what transpires, but, you know, facing two felony uh, charges obviously is, uh, you know, not a, not a, not a great situation and, you know, put, put people at risk, um, you know, when, when he was out there Sunday night. Um, so, you know, it's just a, it's a bad, bad deal. You feel bad for the beach Grove cause they had such a great, that was such a great story, you know, and, and something, you know, that community sometimes is, is, uh, been a punchline in the past. And I think they really felt, you know, vindicated or were, you know, proud you know when that that state championship happened so for this to happen just a few months later and mike's one of their own you know he's the he's the all-time leading scorer at beach grove back in the mid-90s so you know that's uh it's tough it's it's tough you hate to see that happen for that community and and uh not a story i was looking forward to and it kind of made my stomach drop seeing seeing what happened yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable given uh, kind of the emotional story there, then the success to see a headline and a story like that come out. So we'll wish the best for Coach Mike Renfro as he deals with these issues, but just a shocking thing to read uh, with school getting back in session and kind of starting to think about the upcoming uh, high school basketball season a little bit these days and uh, obviously some troubling times there. Kyle Nedenrip of the Indianapolis Star, my guest. Uh, high school football gets underway next Friday. Scrimmages tonight. Uh, we've talked about some of the top teams in the state, but as we get closer and closer to kickoff, uh, you know, basketball, we can kind of take a look at each graduating class uh, and say, okay, you know, the future of high school basketball is bright in the state in 2025. You've got Jalen Harrelson and Trent Sicily, and those guys are clearly going to be big-time prospects. They already are uh, being pursued by so many colleges. Uh, as we break football down in that same way, uh, how is the state of high school football as far as talent and Division One players, and even uh, maybe the the best of the best players? Do we have you know? Is this a time where there's really some high major players that uh, are going to play at, at some of the better programs in the country, like we're seeing on the basketball side? How do you size things up with football uh, with the season a week away? Yeah, we definitely have some some top talent. I would say, you know, I look at a guy like Josh Mickens, who, you know, he also is a basketball player at, at Lawrence Central, but, you know, his future is, is football, and he's, you know, ever since he started playing football, you know, he just looks different, and he's going to LSU 
uh, for a reason, or he's committed there anyway. I know he's got other, you know, still getting offers. I know Notre Dame is highly interested in him. Uh, so, you know, you never know. But he is committed to LSU. And, you know, so you look at a guy like that, an, an edge rusher, you know, 6'5", you know, probably 225, and, you know, had all these types of offers. He's a four-star uh, prospect. And, you know, so, uh, you know, you look at a guy like that, and you, you hate to, you know, you never want to put too much pressure, but I think he's a guy with the NFL potential, you know, that he could really go on and, and be that type of a player just because of the, you know, his talent and the position he plays. He's just so uh, fluid of an athlete for the size that he is. But that that class, you know, and Drake Bowen, you know, uh, he's going to Notre Dame from Andrean. I think people know kind of who he is at this point, and I would say he's probably the – you know, Mr. Football favorite going into this year, you know, based on them winning the state championship at Andrean last year. And then, you know, he's just a top player. You know, he plays offense, defense. He's going to Notre Dame. He's, you know, you know, this doesn't matter, but he's also a really good baseball player. So uh, obviously his, he's super talented athlete, um, you know, and I think this class too, you know, it, it's a hard thing to, to sometimes quantify what offensive linemen uh, you know, how, how good they are because there's no stats, obviously, or there's very few you can, uh, other than watching tape, to, to really know how good they are. But there's a really good group of linemen this year, especially in our area in central Indiana with, you know, Trevor Lauk, who's going to uh, Ron, or he's going to Iowa. He's from Ron Colley. Uh, Leighton Jones also going to Iowa from, from Brownsburg, big time wrestler. Um, then Luke Burgess, who's a new pal, you know, he's going to Louisville. So, you know, those are three of the top um, recruits in the in the whole state all play on the offensive line. Uh, so that's, you know, that's something I think, uh, you know, so maybe not be the uh, most high-profile position or whatever, you know, the, the flashy position, but a really good year for offensive line. And, and, and we'll have several on our super team when that comes out next week, our preseason team. So, you know, I think it's it's that type of a class, and then you've got other. Purdue has really done a really good job, and I, you know, as we go through our super team and people can see uh, who's all on it next week. But you know, Purdue's done a really good job of getting some of the maybe not the highest level of, of uh, you know top two or three kids in the state, but you know they've done a really good job of getting the guys like uh, George Buren from. Uh, Mount Vernon, you know, big time tight end prospect. Uh, you know, Winston Berglund and Will Help from Carmel, both defensive players. Uh, Dylan Thieneman from Westfield, you know, to name a few. And then Jaron Tibbs and, and TJ McWilliams, who are receivers, uh, probably, you know, mid, mid, uh, you know, three star type players. Uh, you know, they're not five stars, but, you know, Tibbs, great athlete, great basketball player. Uh, McWilliams also played uh, basketball, so another good athlete. So, you know, Purdue's really, I think that's something that stands out when you look at this class is the job Purdue's done uh, getting some of that, uh, especially central Central Indiana talent, uh, to come in. So, uh, but yeah, it's a good class. Asen Stevens is another one from Decatur. He's going to Virginia Tech uh, to play linebacker. His brother, Tommy, played at, was committed to IU at one point and ended up going to Penn State and Mississippi State and having a good career as a quarterback. But uh, he, he'll be, his brother, and a lot of that staff that went, uh, was at Penn State, is at Virginia Tech, so that's why uh, he's a big reason why he's going there. But, but yeah, overall, a you know, long answer to your question. I think it's uh, and then Kendrick Gilbert's another guy from Cathedral, defensive lineman who uh, hasn't committed yet, but he he may be end up being you know one of the best players in that class. So overall, yeah, I think it's a it's a talented class. I think every year we see you know, a lot of talent, especially in our area here in Central Indiana, that ends up going uh, to play a pretty high level of football. 
Calton Head Rip, the Indianapolis Star, with us Fridays. Where are you headed tonight for a scrimmage? I know you'll be out and about somewhere. Yeah, I'm going to head over. I'm, I'm, uh, we've seen more of these jamboree type of a situation, so I'm going to try to see three teams tonight instead of two somewhere else, and uh, I'll be at Ben Davis. Uh, they're going to have Carmel and Westfield come in. Carmel normally plays a kind of inner squad, but they're going to play in that thing tonight. So I don't know how they'll do it exactly with the three teams, but a uh, chance to see three instead of two, so I'm going to I'm going to jump on that one. Absolutely. Kyle, thank you for being with us. We'll catch up again next Friday. Okay, thanks for having me on, Matt. Have a good weekend. All right, Kyle Ned and Rip, the Indianapolis Star, with us Fridays here on the show. That's going to wrap up things uh, for this Friday program. Get out, check out a scrimmage tonight. Uh, I believe the weather's supposed to hold up and be pretty decent this evening. Of course, getting ready for week one of high school football next Friday. Don't forget our Monday kickoff show from 7 to 9 p.m. here on the Big X. Josh Cook will join me as co-host, and we'll talk with all the coaches and many of the top players here in the area as well to get you all set for high school football next Friday night. Have a great weekend. Back on Monday, this is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.